But since you died with Christ to the basic principles of the world, why, as though you still belonged to it, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle. Do not taste. Do not touch. These are all destined to perish with use because they are based on human commands and teachings. The heresy that Paul's talking about here, the religious teaching that Paul's talking about here, was a, a religious movement in the first century that came to be called Gnosticism. And Gnosticism, in a nutshell, we'll be talking more about this uh, throughout this series, but Gnosticism was the main competitor to Christianity in the first century uh, and, and in the second and third century. If you weren't to be a Christian, more likely than not, you would go to some form of Gnosticism. In Gnostic theology, they, they posited a God who usually was conceptualized as being male and female, and this God produced a plethora of, of lower gods or angels below this God. And to get to the highest God, you had to go through this multitude of, of intermediary beings. Jesus was one of those intermediary beings, but he wasn't the whole of them, which is why Paul keeps on saying the fullness of life, the fullness of the Godhead is found in Christ. It was called Gnosticism because they believed that unless you understood, unless you knew that hierarchy, unless you had the secret knowledge, you couldn't be saved. And gnosis is the Greek word for knowledge. They also involved in all forms, in various forms of asceticism in, in, in terms of uh, punishing themselves and, and, and coming up with all sorts of rules, touch not, taste not, look not, and things of that sort. And that was seen as Christianity's main competitor. And I will, in the next four weeks, draw 20th century, especially 1990, parallels to this religion. And this morning I want to talk about just the religious tenor of this, this movement. Um, about the behavior of this movement. And I want to draw our attention to what I regard to be Christianity's chief competitor, which is religion. Religion. And I want to title this, Joe Shadow, uh, Joe Shadow Religion or Reality. Let's pray. Lord, we're very aware that we can do nothing without your Spirit. We're very aware, Lord, that all of our thinking, all of our talking, all of our singing is worthless, it's empty, it's futile, unless your Spirit undergirds it all, Lord, and your Spirit is there when we pray. And so, Lord, we pray that your message would come forth this morning, that your reality would be here during the Word and during our, our communion and worship time. In your name we pray. Amen. Let me begin by introducing to you a very dear and, and precious friend of mine. His name is Joe Shadow. This is Joe Shadow. We've known each other for quite some time now, and he's, he's a very good friend of mine. And I want, to get to, I want you to get to know him. Uh, do you have any questions you might want to ask me about Joe Shadow? Yeah, what a question. What does Joe Shadow look like? Foolish question, but I'll answer it. Joe Shadow... <laughs> He doesn't look like anything. I mean, he doesn't have any kind of appearance. He's not physical. He's not spiritual. He doesn't have any kind of semblance whatsoever. He's just Joe Shadow. Other questions? Where is Joe Shadow? Where, where, where is Joe Shadow? Well, Joe Shadow is here. He's right here. But then again, he's on the dark side of the moon. And he's on Mars. In fact, Joe Shadow is omnipresent. He's everywhere and nowhere at the same time. You must grasp the mystery of Joe Shadow. Other questions? How tall is Joe Shadow? Joe Shadow is taller than the highest sky and smaller than the smallest molecule. He's got no height, no size, no circumference, no weight, no anything. 
He's just Joe Shadow. Other questions? Can you smell Joe Shadow? No. No, Joe Shadow has no odor. I can smell you, but I can't smell Joe Shadow. That's why I gave it to him. He has no odor. You can't touch him. You can't see him. You can't taste him. You can't feel him. There's no way he can make an impact on your life. That's just the nature of Joe Shadow. Final question. Is Joe Shadow a man or a woman? Is Joe Shadow. In our age of gender consciousness, it's, it's not surprising that you'd ask that question. Joe Shadow is neither man nor woman, nor is he not man or woman. He's neither something in between. He's really basically nothing. Now, I hope you've gotten a good idea of my friend Joe Shadow. I hope you've got a good understanding of Joe Shadow. The truth is, if you have any ounce of sanity whatsoever, you're beginning to wonder about my sanity. Because if Joe Shadow, if you can't touch Joe Shadow and taste Joe Shadow, and if Joe Shadow doesn't make any impact on your life whatsoever, then sooner or later you've got to begin to wonder whether there is such a thing as Joe Shadow at all. In fact, you may begin to wonder whether or not when I use the word Joe Shadow... I'm referring to nothing. Joe Shadow is my word for nothing. The thing is, when I talk about Joe Shadow, it sounds like I'm talking about something meaningful. In fact, it'd be possible, I suppose, to develop a whole religion around Joe Shadow. We could develop social customs about having Joe Shadow over for dinner. We could pull out a chair and have Joe Shadow sit down. And we could develop particular ways and particular styles of talking to Joe Shadow. We could develop particular theologies about Joe Shadow. And it would look like we're doing something meaningful, but in fact there's no reality to it, is there? Because Joe Shadow is a nothing. The reality of Joe Shadow is simply the reality of social convention, a way of talking. It looks like we're talking about something meaningful, but as a matter of fact, there's no meaning behind it. It's sort of like, I hope this isn't insensitive, but, but Ray Charles sometimes sings the blues. Now, Ray Charles never seen the color blue, so how would he know how blue relates to our moods? But he, he knows the social convention of referring to the blues when you're depressed, so he knows colors in terms of social convention, but he's never experienced color itself. And so also when we talk about Joe Shadow... The reality of our talk is simply social convention, but there's no substance to it. Here's my question. How is our God talk different than talking about Joe Shadow? When we talk about God who you cannot see, God who is everywhere and nowhere, God who is invisible, God who is omnipresent, God who is intangible, how is our talk any different than... Joe Shadow talk. I believe Christianity because the evidence is undoubtedly for it. I believe Christianity because I cannot, I just have overwhelming evidence for the validity of the Bible and the validity of Jesus Christ as the Son of God. And I believe Christianity because of past experiences I've had. But I go through periods, and, and you probably do too, periods where it doesn't seem real. Where sometimes church just seems like a get-together. Where you feel like you're talking about Joe Shadow sort of stuff, and it feels like you're just going through the motions, and you wonder, where's the reality to this? It seems like a, a ritual, a custom, just something that, that people decide to do, and they get together, and they do it, but there's no substance to it. There's no reality to it. Sometimes I watch TV preachers on TV, and I see other sort of money-making hypocrisy in the, in the church that goes under the title of Christian church, and I wonder, is this thing real? 
Sometimes you're burned by churches or burned by other Christians or you just go through a dry period where you just can't seem to get a hold of of God and your prayers seem like they're just bouncing off the ceiling and you wonder, is this thing real or is it just a show Joe Shadow flapping in the wind kind of a deal? I go through periods like that. I bet you do too. And maybe there are people here this morning that have never known anything other than that and you wonder whether or not this thing is real. But then there are times, and this is what I want to talk about this morning. Then there are times... When the reality hits you, when all of a sudden it occurs to you that this ain't no social convention, when all of a sudden it occurs to you that God is real, when all of a sudden it hits you that Jesus Christ is a reality, and that we're not just playing some kind of social game, and we're not going through some kind of religious charade, and we're not just dealing with some sort of abstract theoretical theology, but this, we're talking about a reality, as real as the podium, as real as the floor, as real as you or me, God's a reality, and all of a sudden it hits you. It's sort of like, my analogies are bizarre, but, but, uh, but the, that Red Baron commercial, I was it, some kind of pizza, and that lady's eating a pizza, the Red Baron pizza, and, and this Red Baron begins to materialize there. Are you following me? You know that commercial? And she falls in love with this uh, Red Baron. Well, all of a sudden, the Red Baron materializes. A coin drops in the slot. A light goes on, and all of a sudden, you're aware that God is real, and Jesus Christ is real, and it's not just talk. Let me give you an illustration of what I'm talking about, a couple of illustrations. Last week... My friend Dave Johnson was, was on leave and he asked me to fill in the pulpit at the open door, so I obliged him and it was a real nice time. But before the third service, before the, I went on to preach, I, I was praying during the offering, just getting ready to, to go up there, and all of a sudden I had this real strong burden that I needed somebody to pray with me. Real strong awareness that I need people to pray with me. It's awareness I have right now, as a matter of fact. And, and I pray as God moves in this congregation, there'll be people who are praying for the sermon, even while the sermon's going on. Be in prayer that God would undergird the sermon. But I was praying in that way, and all of a sudden, I felt this need to get someone to pray with me. And not more than five seconds after I had thought that, a lady came up. I felt this arm, this hand on my arm. And she says, I hope you don't think I'm crazy, but God told me to come up from the back of the church and pray with you. And I said, lady, I don't think you're crazy. <laughs> I got all these goosebumps all over me. Because all of a sudden, I realized that I just heard from the boss. God is real. He speaks to people. He intercedes for people. And I went in to preach that sermon so energized, knowing in a, in a, in a personal way that that reality w- was there. God's not just some sort of fanciful thing. He's a very present reality. Sometimes in worship service, the presence of God will surround us. I spoke with a lady last week at the picnic, the church picnic, and she was saying, she's been coming for a couple of weeks. She says, I don't know what it is, but it seems like when, when, whenever we start to sing, I, I just, I feel something, and, and sometimes I just start to cry, and I don't understand why. It's because there's a reality of the presence of God, and she didn't have a word for it or anything, but she felt something different. And sometimes in worship, the Spirit of God will just move, and you'll realize that what you're singing about isn't just some human idea. It's not just someone's imagination, but there's a reality to it. God is present, and His power can surround us as we're in worship. Sometimes in private devotion. You're just doing your devotions. You're just talking to the Lord. And then all of a sudden, the red baron appears. The coin drops in the slot. The light goes on. And you're aware of this presence. This this, this love that words can't express. And this peace in the midst of turbulence. And this joy in the midst of, of depression. And there's this reality here. Sometimes it's almost overwhelming. Some of you know what I'm talking about. It's almost scary. You realize that 
God is real. The God who spoke the stars into existence is real. And here he is. Sometimes in our prayer meetings for the church, uh, uh, at the Lee's house, we get together and we have these prayer meetings. We're having one tonight. And sometimes as we're joined together in prayer and we're just opening ourselves up and yielding to the presence of God, the Spirit of God will fall on us in, in such a powerful, real way that you couldn't possibly deny the reality of God. And no longer is it just something you do. It's not just a behavior. It's not just an idea. But it's a reality that intersects with your life. It's not just a Joe shadow religion, but there's substance to it. Or sometimes it's just when you're out for a walk or going through a field or what have you. Sometimes it's when you feel the love from another Christian, the reality begins to click and you realize that you're dealing with something real. It's not a Joe Shadow religion. If you look at the church in the book of Acts, the church of the New Testament, what you see is that it was the farthest thing from being a Joe Shadow religion as anything could ever be. As the disciples were in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, and the Spirit of God, the reality of God, and the power of God fell on them. You read about it in Acts 2. And they all began to speak in other languages. And they were moved on by God in such a powerful way. They didn't have to wonder about whether this was a Joe Shadow religion or not. They knew the reality of God firsthand. And when Peter stood up and preached to that multitude of, of hostile witnesses... The gospel and 3,000 were saved in that one day. He didn't have to wonder whether he was dealing with a Joe Shadow religion or not. He knew the power of God, the reality of God firsthand. And the next day when he was walking into the temple and there was a lame man there and he said in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And the man got up and began to jump for praise and jump for joy. He didn't have to wonder and that lame man didn't have to wonder whether God was just a sort of Joe Shadow shindig. He knew firsthand the power and the reality of God. And the church of Corinth where God poured out his gifts and they had the gift of tongues and they had the gift of healing and they had the gift of prophecy and word of knowledge and word of wisdom and the other gifts that God gives. They didn't have to wonder whether this was just a theoretical sort of thing, a social convention, a Joe Shadow religion. They knew firsthand the power and the reality of the God that they were dealing with. The difference between God talk, Christ talk, and Joe Shadow talk, the difference is that God while God isn't experienceable as, as a, like a podium or, or a floor, he's not physical, you can't physically touch, taste, or see him, you can when your heart is open. You can when your spirit is yielded. You can when you're surrendered to the Lord, experience him in a spiritual way. God can be an experienced reality. God can be not just something you talk about, and not just something you think about, and not just something you do little rituals about. God can be a present reality. And it's in times like that, when the reality is, is there, the coin drops in the slot, the light goes on, and you sense that power there, that's when you really see the beauty of God. That's when you begin to experience firsthand what all this, what these songs are talking about, and what the Bible's talking about, and what other Christians are talking about. When you're surrounded by the beauty of the Lord, you're surrounded by the joy of the Lord, and you're surrounded by the power of the Lord. When you're surrounded by that sweet and tender presence, then you begin to see firsthand what all this is about. The red barren materializes, and you realize that there's a reality to this whole thing. It's in times like that that God can't help but become the primary reality in your life, the primary priority in your life. So long as God is just an idea and religion is just a behavior that you're going through, so long as you're just talking about a Joe Shadow, it's very hard to make that the priority in your life because who can be, who can be centered on a non-reality? Who can be centered on a shadow? 
But when you begin to experience firsthand the power and the love and the joy of God, the reality of Jesus Christ, then you begin to say, take everything that this world might have to give, but give me Jesus. Take all the money you want, but give me Jesus. And take my health, take my sight, take everything you want from me, take my life, but give me Jesus. Because to experience the reality of God is to experience the one thing that makes life meaningful, the one thing that makes life worthwhile, the one thing that infuses life with passion. It's to experience the reality of God, the one that we were created for, to give worship to and to live and to be filled from. That's the reality of Christianity. And when you experience that, you see that Christianity is the farthest thing from being a Joe Shadow religion as anything could possibly be. Christianity is the farthest thing from being a a theoretical philosophy as anything could be. Christianity is the farthest thing from being just someone's abstract, imaginative idea as anything could possibly be. Christianity is dealing with something that is real. God is real. Christianity is real. The gospel is real. Amen. Praise God for the reality. And what I am so impressed with, and this whole sermon is, I, I, I sense it kind of like, I feel, I have such a conviction about it because it's, it's a calling us back to the center. It's a calling us back to the foundation. We must never lose that foundation. We need that reality. If we're about anything, we need the reality of God. We need services where the Spirit of God moves. And we need in our own devotional life times where we sense the presence of God. Our faith must never be based on feeling because feelings come and feelings go. And yet we need our hearts to be humbled before God, to be open to that very present reality who is with us at all times. We need that reality. When that reality is not around, when God's supernatural presence isn't present, then the truth of the matter is this. Stay. Thank you. The truth of the matter is that we are just about a Joe Shadow thing. If, if the Spirit of God doesn't undergird our singing, our singing is not praise, it's singing. And if the Spirit of God doesn't undergird, undergird and infuse our preaching, our preaching is just talking, it's not really preaching. There's no anointing to it. And if our times together aren't surrounded by the Spirit of God, then it's just a social gathering. Then church is just a a social agency. And you can do a lot of things without the Spirit of God. God made us creative. We can create a lot of things. People build corporations. People build magnificent buildings. You can even build a pretty good-looking church on just your own ideas, your own ingenuity, your carnal eagle. You can do that. But you cannot build anything. And I mean anything. You can't build anything of kingdom value, of eternal value, without the Spirit of God. You can't do anything that really is glorifying to God without the Spirit of God. You cannot confront the kingdom of darkness with the kingdom of light without the Spirit of God. We need the Spirit of God, the supernatural reality of God, so that we're not just talking about an imaginary Joe Shadow, so that people can see, those whose hearts are open can see that there's a reality to what we're talking about. That's when our singing becomes praise and our preaching becomes proclamation. But here's the thing. As the Gnosticism that Paul talked about in the book of Colossians did, so we can do, it's easy to forget that fact. You see, you can't control the Spirit of God. You cannot manipulate the reality of God. 
Jesus said the wind, as the wind blows wherever, wherever it wants, that's how the Spirit of God is. And you can't force God to move. You can't control it. Not only that, but to enter into the reality that Christianity is about requires a heart that has at least some degree of openness. And there's a part of our lives called the flesh that doesn't want that. There's a part of our life that wants to be Lord of our own lives. There's a part of us that wants to be in control. There's a part of us that just wants to manipulate everything. And so in fleshly terms, it's easier to build a church where you don't have to worry about this intangible variable called the Spirit of God. It's easy to build a church where you just say, let's have the best music possible and the best preaching possible and the best greetings possible and we'll just try to build it on our own ideas. Just try to build it on our own talents. It's easy to do that. And when that begins to happen, the church becomes a Joe Shadow religion. However impressive it may look, however good it may look, because without the Spirit of God, we're about nothing that is of kingdom value. One of the things you see is that when the reality of Jesus Christ is not available or is not experienced or people have forgotten about the reality and are now just doing their own Joe Shadow things, one of the things that happens is that the focus of a church or the focus of a religious movement always gets sidetracked. It's like a marriage where the reality of love and commitment is gone. Many times a marriage where the love is gone, marriage has to be about something. Something has to hold the marriage together, but it's no longer love because that's not a reality that's experienced. So it becomes about other things. Some people hold their marriage together by having a certain kind of code of behavior towards one another, certain kind of rules towards one another, a sort of marital legalism. Some marriages hold themselves together when the love is dropped out by their sex life. They try to compensate for the lack of love by their sexual activity. If you're not about the reality of love, you've got to be about the reality of something, and so you create something. If we started, about, if we started a religion around my Joe Shadow friend, it can't be about Joe Shadow because he's not a reality. So what it will be about would be a lot of other things. We've got to be about something. So let's be about, let's be about rituals on how to set the table when Joe Shadow comes over. Or let's be about manipulating people's behavior or how they should act around Joe Shadow. The focus always has to, when the reality of God isn't seen, the, re, the focus is going to be on the reality of something else. And so with the Colossians, it was this. The Gnosticism that Paul confronted the Colossians, these people didn't know the reality of God. They didn't experience the reality of God. They weren't transformed by the reality of God. Because only the reality of God transforms people. But if you don't experience that, then what are you going to be about? What are you going to live for? What's going to give your life meaning? What's your religion going to be centered on? Well, they say, the Gnostics say, well, what we'll do, we'll create a good theology. We'll have this plethora of angels that we can worship, which we have today with the New Age movement. We'll be talking about that next week. And here's what we can be about. Let's be about holiness. And let's, let's therefore have intense rules. Let's have touch not and taste not and look not. And let's be very particular and very precise and very proper when it comes to religious festivals and new moon celebration and Sabbath days. Let's keep more rules than anyone else keeps and we can feel special. And let's have a secret theology that no one else has and we can feel special. And so lacking the reality... The reality, experienced reality of God's transforming grace, they've got nothing, nothing else to go on but their own works. And lacking the reality of God's free holiness, they've got nothing else to go on but their own works. Lacking the reality of God's love, they've got nothing else to go on to feel special, but now they create their own little special theology and their own little special behaviors, which a lot of cults do. They've got to feel special, got to feel unique, so they carve out a little unique system for themselves. And all the while, they're chasing after shadows. Chasing after shadows. 
And when the church is no longer open to the supernatural moving of God, and we must always be aware that what happened to the Colossians to some degree could happen to us. When we're no longer open to that, we can begin to be about a lot of other things. A lot of other things. We turn into a Joe Shadow religion. When the church just starts being about committee work, and who's on committees and who's not, and some churches do fall into that, it's no longer about the reality of Jesus Christ. It's about a Joe Shadow religion. And when a church gets sidetracked into trying to police people's behavior in particular non-biblical ways, touch not, taste not, look not, see not, blah, 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 it's no longer about the reality of Jesus Christ. It's about something very different, about the reality of manipulating people. That's what it's about. When the church is, becomes just a habit or a routine or a ritual that we go through, or when communion becomes just a ritual that we go through, it's no longer about the reality of Jesus Christ. It's about a Joe Shadow sort of thing. The church must never, never lose its focus. It must never lose its focus. And so Paul says to the Colossians that touch not, taste not, do not, all that other kind of stuff that the Gnostics are involved in, that is, he says in verse 17, a shadow. But the reality is Christ. The reality is Jesus Christ. The substance of life is Jesus Christ. The fullness of God is Jesus Christ. The fullness of life is found in Jesus Christ. And whereas all your other religious stuff, all your nice religion that you're so proud of and get so much energy out of, whereas that's all a shadow, the reality is that Jesus Christ wants to save you. The reality is that Jesus Christ died for you. The reality, this is a real thing. It's not just some fancy theology. The reality is that God wants to transform you. God wants to take your life and turn it upside down. The reality is that it doesn't matter what kind of religious background you come from. It doesn't matter what kind of racial background you have. It doesn't matter what kind of cultural background you have. The reality is that in Jesus Christ, if your heart is open, you're accepted. And he wants to envelop you with his love. He wants to hug you. He wants to hold you. He wants to caress you. He wants to transform you. And that's not just talk. That's a real thing. That's a real thing. We need the reality. I don't know about you, but I think I know about you. But as for me, I'm hungry for the reality. I'm frustratingly hungry for the reality. I've had enough. And I believe you have had enough. And I think people in general have had enough religion. We've had enough systems of behavior. We've had enough nitpicky disputes about doctrine. We've had enough this agenda or that agenda or this political ideology or that political ideology controlling the church and dominating the church. We've had enough. Frustratingly, we've had too much Joe Shadow religion and Joe Shadow talk and there's not any substance to it. But I want the reality. I want the, I'm hungry for the reality. That beautiful, precious, transforming reality of Jesus Christ. And I believe that God has called together here, is beginning, just, just beginning, to call together a people here who are frustratingly hungry for the reality of God. And you say to yourself, why are you saying this? Because we, we, we feel the presence of God. And, and, and we feel anointing. The reason is because you can never have too much of it. Five years from now, if God's blessed this place and the Spirit of God's moving in an incredible way and God's doing miracles and the church is 15,000, I'm still going to be preaching the same message because you got I, I want more. You can never have enough. Throughout eternity, I'm just going to be feeding off of that and so are you. The reality of God. You can never have too much. On the other hand, the easiest thing in the world is to forget that that's where, what, what we're about and to make it into just a religion. Let me end by encouraging you in two ways. Number one, 
To, be, to, to have the reality of God impact you requires two things. Number one, your heart must be humble. Your heart must be surrendered. You will experience the reality of God to the degree that your heart is broken before the Lord. When we lay ourselves prostrate before God, when we empty ourselves of our ambitions and our own lordship and surrender to the lordship of Jesus Christ, the reality of God can flood in. Self is a door that keeps God locked out. Self-ambitions, self-ideas, self-gratification, it locks God out. And you'll never enter into the fullness of that love, joy, and peace until you yield. This morning, even as we take communion, I encourage you to yield. Whatever it is that's keeping God at bay, squash it to have the reality of God flood in. And the second thing that it requires is this. We can never, ever manipulate God. We can't tell God what to do. We can't control it. We can't make it happen with music. Can't make it happen with preaching. Can't make it happen with committee work. Can't make it happen. But God has told us one thing. He's bound himself to one thing and one thing alone. He comes when people pray. The Bible never says he comes in answer to our holiness, in answer to our good works, in answer to our nice liturgy, in answer to our nice families. He doesn't come as a result of that. What he's told us, and he's told us it dozens and dozens and dozens of times, is that when we pray, God shows up. And the more we pray, the more God shows up. And I encourage you, as we take communion here this morning, to be in prayer. God, we need your reality. And have your spiritual antennas sensing the reality of God. And I encourage you again, as, I, as we have from the start, to be in prayer about this, this, this work that God is doing here. Be in continual prayer. If you want to really be a part of the, the foundation of prayer of this church, I encourage you to stop out at the desk out there, the prayer ministry. If you want to be on a, we have a, a, a prayer chain that you could be a part of. We have a prayer meeting tonight that you're welcome to come. It doesn't matter what kind of background, however long or short you've had in Christianity, show up. Because to pray, you don't need any kind of spiritual qualifications. You just need a heart that says, I want to pray. The foundation of this church is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ comes, and this is the second foundation in prayer. It's not me, it's not Paul, it's no one. It's prayer. The people who have been praying for this work have been the ones that are making it happen. And we'll do more so. And if you want to become more involved in that, be praying for us. And if you feel led to do so, stop out and pray and, and, and uh, get more information on, on the prayer team. As Paul comes forward and as the musicians come forward, we're going to take communion now. And I encourage you to let the Lord use this bread and let the Lord use this cup to make this more than a ritual. Let him show you the reality. As you humble yourself before the Lord, let him show you the reality of his self-sacrificial love for you, the reality of his loving embrace of you, the reality of his care for you, the reality of the cross. Let God sear his very real love and presence into your life as we take communion and worship this morning.